Hello and welcome to the 42nd episode of the NL Feast podcast, your favorite podcast about your favorite division in baseball. My name is Sam Clark and with me as always, the elevator to my stairs, Brandon Gross. Elevator to my stairs so your stairs i'm elevator so i'm the lazy one that's what i'm interpreting that as you always find a way to whatever comparison i draw is like listen nobody wants to be stairs stairs are cumbersome and exhausting brandon will be the elevator and you're right i just called you lazy so my apologies opening up the show with an insult brandon you know what i i am you know i'll take it i think i'm more of an escalator guy Ooh, uh, okay. actually not really you know escalators uh they freak me out a little bit I was just about to say, did you grow up with parents that were that were constantly like, don't have untied shoes walking onto an escalator? Or don't I think so, because that's still, a thought, that's still a thought I have. So I think they did say that. I don't remember them vividly saying that. Yes. But I think so, because I definitely look at my shoes the whole time when I'm on an escalator. <laughs> this is a deep reference. So very understandable if it's not okay. something that you, you think off the top of your head. But it's the same way. Maybe it was just like a pop cultural reference, you know, just like pseudo horror movie or whatever nonsense because i i had the same fear of garbage disposals growing up as a kid because there was like a disney original movie where a kid stuck his hand down a garbage disposal and it got turned on by accident and chaos dude ensued yeah you remember that well yes i do remember that when i think of garbage disposal i think of the movie small soldiers do you remember this Uh, dude i my first best friend in elementary school I made by being like, hey, do you like small soldiers? Of course, I remember small soldiers. Archer, commander of the Gorgonites. Come on, man. <laughs> Kirsten <laughs> Dunst's breakout role. Her breakout role. But uh, I think Brick Bazooka is one of the, the <laughs> evil soldiers. If you're not if you're not familiar with small soldiers, one of the uh, evil uh, toy soldiers led by Tom voice by a character, uh, Chip Hazard by Tommy Lee Jones. But Brick Bazooka. Uh huh. Yes, he gets he gets all chopped up in the garbage disposal. I think that's what I what I was thinking of. Brandon, we love to talk about stuff that is not related to baseball, and I am demanding before the season starts that we do a rewatch of Small Soldiers because I have that was also I grew up in a fairly at least uh, for you know how first child tends to get uh, you're an mm-hmm. only child, but the first child mm-hmm. tends to get the stricter upbringing, and then the, the second, third, fourth it gets a little, it gets a little bit more lax moving on. I was not allowed, allowed to watch PG thirteen movies for like the, until I was like eleven or twelve, and this was one that I just could not get a hold of for years, and inevitably ended up being able to watch it when I was like on TV or something as like a middle schooler or high schooler, um, but would love to go back and revisit that one day. That would be fun. Wow. So you you got the coveted small soldiers later in life. See, I got it pretty young. So I think only child early. I got whatever I wanted. But <laughs> so that's the dynamics. We're proving the, the dynamics of that right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I my first PG-13 movie I ever saw was Men in Black, also featuring mm-hmm. Tommy Lee Jones, who uh, classic South Florida uh, ran into him at like a salad restaurant in like 1999 or something. And he was very kind and let spoke to all the children, but was immediately dismissive of all the adults. So he was like, that's funny. See, yes. My family has a Tommy Lee Jones story as well. Every um, family does. So every <laughs> at Christmas we get together and we read the Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, but yeah, my, uh, so my mom in the, I think in the late seventies, she was in, uh, I think Saks fifth Avenue in New York. Wow. Looking for clothes. Very cool. Um, when she, she used to work at NBC in New York and um, just docks on my mom here. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and she was trying, she was like looking at herself in the mirror, like, I don't know, maybe putting a dress up against herself or something. Mm-hmm. And then Tommy Lee Jones, creepy ass, comes around the corner and he goes, <laughs> oh, no. looks good or something like that. <laughs> so he did Your mom hit got on hit mom. on by Tommy Lee Jones. That's, a, that's old, an icon. Could have been my father. Mom. Been my father. Yeah, uh, life would have been very much the same, Brandon. Don't worry, you'd still mm-hmm. be doing a bad baseball podcast. I uh, I had a the drummer in my first band, or uh, not my first band, but my high school band. Uh, his mom was like, I'm tr- I'm trying not to make uh, uh, stereotypes here. She was a she was like a very pretty woman, but was like uh, married to a very wealthy man who was the mm-hmm. father of the drummer. I'm so, this man scared me so much. I'm already walking on eggshells just to have it. But she went to the gym once and ran into Bruce Springsteen and he oh. very blatantly flirted with her as well. So it's maybe that's just the celebrity MO. I don't know. And Bruce was married. Unbelievable. <laughs> Bruce was probably married. Yes, Bruce was probably married. Um, I'm trying to think of other celebrity encounters. I had uh, only a couple in my short time in Los Angeles and I've had only a couple of my, my time in New York. One of them being... Andrew Dice Clay. You're, are you familiar with Andrew Dice Clay? Oh, yes. You told me the Dice Clay I tell story. You I this one. One. So yes. I was off. Uh, what's that? Fuck. I think it's Ventura. I was there um, with a, my roommate at the time. And he's like, I think that's Andrew Dice Clay. And I was like, oh, cool. Let's keep walking. And he's like, 
my dad will kill me if I don't go talk to Andrew Dice Clay. And so uh, he's like sitting there. He's got like, the, you know, those like trucker headphones that are like kind of like the big cans are right now, but have the microphone yeah. going. He's sitting there drinking a coffee. Uh, and my friend goes up and he's like, hey, sorry to interrupt you, Mr. Dice Clay. I don't know what his full his proper name is, um, but uh, my dad would kill me if I didn't say anything to you. I just want to know if I can have a picture of us. He's like, not right now. Fuck off. I'm busy. <laughs> and then just like was very dismissive <laughs> of him. And we walked away and he's like, I that's the perfect Andrew Dice that's Clay interaction. That's the full experience. Yes. That's like if uh, Gallagher, you walked up to say hi to Gallagher and he said, not right now. I'm busy. And he smashed a watermelon with a hammer. <laughs> right. To, he has yes, to carry it with him at all times. So. Yes, of course. But outside of that, Steve Buscemi lives in a neighborhood that we frequent once time we went to dinner and he was there um he, apparently this is an anecdote that i i didn't witness myself but i've heard through the grapevine that he you know that meme of him where he's like hey fellow kids and he's wearing like the, yeah. the backwards but apparently mm -hmm. that's the costume that he wore this halloween when he was giving out candy at his uh that's right i did hear about apartment. this so see cool. i think i think my best celebrity encounter here was dave girl i saw at a best buy but Whoa. i think the best buy makes it a little funnier but i was waiting in, i was <laughs> waiting in line for the geek squad. Okay. And I, I looked to the right and a man uh, with a ponytail and a plaid shirt and high top vans uh, is just piling, <laughs> piling from hit from the bottom of his, his stomach to the top of his neck, uh, just a stack of AirPods. He's oh just, my God. And just carrying them. And I assumed it's cause uh, the band was playing SNL the next week. So I bet he brought, bought it oh. for like the crew and his family. What a nice guy. Um, wow. Great guy. So that's great. I thought he was. I thought you were going to say the interaction was him coming up to you, being like, "Hey, I, Geek Squad, I need some help with my broken computer." Yeah, and I was like, "Fuck off, I'm busy." <laughs> yeah, he pulled a dice clay. Um, well, good, Brandon. You had a good week. I know we've already we've opened up with enough uh, nonsense at the top. Good week. All I'm going to say you. is, does my look look different on the Zoom call right now? Because I'm standing up because I got a standing desk. You got a standing desk. I did. My work was nice enough to to send me a standing desk since I work from home. Okay. Cool. Um, and uh, the guys who brought it to my place were very unhappy when they found out uh, there's no elevator in my apartment, Ugh, yeah. two stairs, and then there's more stairs inside of my apartment. Yes. So they were not happy. Uh, but uh, you know what? They got their workout and I got my standing desk and I'm, I'm feeling fit now. Does it make a difference? Do you feel like you're more healthy? Do you feel like you're more? I kind of do. I kind of don't feel it because I was feel, I was like kind of like Gollum hunched over, you know, <laughs> yes. on, the, on the computer for the physical representation at my desk. Yeah, it's, yeah. I see the, I see the resemblance. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's normal. No, that's one of my best too. Uh, but yeah, so no, I feel good. I feel healthy. Uh, I reckon I endorse the standing desk. Maybe we can wow. get a standing desk uh, ad on the show. Honestly, I'll talk to our network sports drink and see what we got it going on. My week. Oh, I didn't talk about the. Okay, this is uh, we have a wonderful guest that we're going to introduce shortly, and this poor man is is being very patient with us. I uh, there's an anecdote. We, we had a lost episode last week, Brandon. Um, we had the lovely Peter Pratt on due to, due to some technical issues. The episode wasn't able to be released, which was an unfortunate event. But um, I played a dead body on on Danny's short film, and we talked about this yes. a little bit. And I kind of just wanted to, I guess, say it again, <laughs> bring it back up. <laughs> oh, we just want to say that. Just yeah, just uh, stay, lay down in the cold. It was a. Uh, me, I can get a little grumpy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an emotional man. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'll be the first to admit it. Um, was not thrilled at the idea of laying down on cold cement for 12 hours in the middle of January in New York City, but ended up having a wonderful experience. It was great. Um, Danny was uh, both grateful and apologetic at the same time because uh, he's a good friend. Obviously, it's a it's a tall favor to ask. Tall favor. Um, but yeah, so I thought I'd bring that back up. What else did I do this week? Work's been back. Girlfriend's back in town from the holidays um everything's kind of getting rolling we're, we're back into uh we're back into normal life here i feel good with the rhythms going and you know what if you're listening get your oscar ballots in because sam's guy on the ground is gonna <laughs> yeah. win it all best supporting actor yes uh man dead body on ground yes i've been mm -hmm. nominated for your consideration brandon i'm sure you're seeing a lot of those uh billboards around right now i am in la you are in los angeles all right brandon well before we introduce our wonderful guest we're back to having ads, Brandon. We not only uh, have ads, we also have remembered them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give us a little bit of uh, a little bit of ad reads. Are you ready for this? I like how you always preface it. You don't have to do <laughs> it's that. It's not organic. Yeah, it's not naturally <laughs> incorporated into our conversation at all. Uh, today's episode of NL Feast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. Brandon, I know which one we are on. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to www.sportsdrink.org. That's sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. 
at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. That's just sports drink with no vowels. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. I should have read the copy before I said what I said. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying to not let the funk out. Now, Brandon, now that we got that out of the way, we have a wonderful guest on today's show. Uh, you know him as the producer of Sports Radio 94 WIP in Philadelphia, former host of Locked on Phillies. We have the lovely Dan Wilson on today's show. Dan, welcome to NL Feast. Sam, Brandon, what is up? First of all, great intro. Enjoyed watching, listening <laughs> to that entire you, thing. You I don't have to, to let you us. keep going. <laughs> I, I was going to let you guys keep going. That like that riff back and forth. Enjoyed this story. I have a uh, celebrity encounter please, of my own, if I can. Please, please. No, we would yeah. love. So it, I can't believe it because it's it was actually two years ago today, I believe. I was reminded of it uh, in my memories here on my phone. Okay. But two years ago today, uh, you know, I work in sports media and through a connection, like kind of like friend of a friend, someone I'd known. Uh, they needed someone to go help out with a like sports broadcasting media type of like convention camp thing down at the senior bowl in Mobile, Alabama, the college. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. And so this is like just pre COVID. And okay. uh, so, you know, everyone's traveling, there's no masks, whatever. And so I'm, I arrive in Mobile, Alabama. This was like either January 23rd, 24th of 2020. And so the context of it is like, there's all these people from the football world there. It's the small little airport it has like, four or five terminals. It's like the size of, you know, like a house, right? Yes. Yeah. Tiny. And yeah, very tiny. And I'm getting off the plane. No one stops. And I stopped dead in my tracks because sitting at the airport bar with two other people and no one is even bothering him is Dan Marino and Dan Whoa. Marino. Yes, exactly. Right. Dan Marino is just like casually having a drink at three in the afternoon on a Friday. And I'm like, I'm assuming he's here for this. Like, it makes sense. The football person. I'm like, but no one's got like, I have to be, you, you know, have to. Yeah. I'm like this. I'm like, I got to be hallucinating. Like someone would go up to Dan Marino. The guy's a Hall of Famer, like one of the most famous, recognizable quarterbacks of all time. So I start looking at him and he starts looking at me. I'm like, only a celebrity would have that reaction. Yes. Like someone else. Yeah. So I'm like, can I get a like, you're Dan Marino. Can I get a picture? Yeah. I have a picture with Dan Marino. now. That's so awesome. Amazing. So, like, yeah. That's the best story ever as a Miami Marlins fan. We talked about this a little bit before the show. Oh, yeah, you're long. a Miami guy. Exactly. Also a Dolphins yeah. fan. That's huge. So yes. he must have. So then this you were there for the senior bowl was like uh, any of the big three quarterbacks there for uh, putting on yes. the showcase at all. So uh, you, yeah. So I ha I got like within like 10 feet of Justin Herbert. Uh, this is wow. when he was huge. coming out of Oregon. Um, I mean, I didn't know what he was going to be at that point. Nobody I, the, did. Nobody did. No one did. Yeah. I uh, I watched Jake from do a workout. Uh, you know, he's he played against the Eagles this year. I'm you know, big Philly four for four uh, sports fan, Phillies, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers. So he's now with the Giants. Uh, he was with the Bills um, and he was at Georgia at the time or coming out. In the yeah, draft yeah, at that yeah. Point. yeah. Uh, Shea Patterson was there and there's there another there are a few other quarterbacks there. But yeah, that, that was like a huge, huge event with all sorts of big time college players. We got to go on the field before the game and Matt Patricia was the one coach. I was about to ask. Like, so who was representing the head coach? Of the, he was the head coach of the Lions and. Why, I am blanking on who coached the other side that day, but I remember getting very close to Matt Patricia and I had a very corny tweet uh, about how he was the defensive coordinator that allowed 41 points uh, to the Eagles in Super Bowl 52, uh, which was the day of my life. So I was like, oh, look, here's this guy. Um, and I, I thought about saying it to him, but I'm like, yeah, it's probably. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> ruffle too many feathers. Uh, but yeah, so that, that was a fun, uh, fun weekend that started with seeing Dan Marino in the airport. Like, so like literally no one going. I'm like. That's wild. It's not making any that, sense. Yeah. I feel like a Dan Marino sighting is like the level of seeing a Paul McCartney in music where you're like, what do I say yes! to this man that hasn't been said to him? Before? Yeah, yes. there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And it's OK. You guys are in New York and L.A. So like I'm figuring celebrity encounters are like, you know, this is like a Tuesday. You're like, all right. Yeah, yeah. there's uh, <laughs> there's Adam Sandler or something or <laughs> there's Brad Pitt. No, no big deal. He just walks by on the street. But in Mobile, Alabama, in this small of little airport of all places, you're like, whoa, that's Dan Marino. Like kind of out of context even it, with the weekend of the senior bowl going on and he's hanging there with two regular looking guys i don't believe they were famous i didn't recognize them they didn't appear to be yeah, anyone of, of, of note so he keeps it low key and uh That's yeah awesome. so I, so I, wait, I have a selfie with Marino. was he a nice guy that was he was he like a uh, accommodating was he like a little dismissive what was his, his general sam's like no. what is, sam's like what does he smell like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, smelled great. Uh, okay, yeah, great. We're off to a good start. Got, right. got, a, got a big whiff. He's he's a larger than life figure. No, he was like, he was fine. I mean, no one else was going up to him. So, you know, sometimes celebrities, I can understand, especially of that caliber. I would have yeah. understood if he was standoffish and all these people were going up to him. Yeah. I almost feel a little bad sometimes contributing to that. But because no one else was, and I was one of the last people off the flight and there was no one else there. I'm like, I will, you know, kill myself forever 
if I don't say <laughs> what's up to Dan Marino, you got to say hi. I was like, can I get a can I get a photo? He's like, yeah. Like he was just like, didn't seem phased by it. He's used to to the whole thing. And I kept walking, didn't take up too much of his time. But yeah, that's the uh, story of how I did a double take and ran into Dan Marino. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. The the moment you described like making eye contact with a celebrity and then realizing that you're recognizing them is like a very Mm -hmm. weird, surreal moment that like only happens a few times. It's a little Yeah, it's not the same thing as like the Spider-Man meme where like you recognize you see someone (laughs) wearing the same thing, but like you kind of like stop. You're like, whoa, like I know who you are. And that person realizes (laughs) that, you know, who they are. Yeah. No one else does. And there's a little weird eye contact thing. You're right. That goes on there. And th- that's exactly what happened. That's so funny. Yeah, that's I'll tell so you funny. what, I, I know that we want to have you on to talk baseball, but it's hard not to talk football. And I'm not a big football guy. I'm pretty much a one sport. I'm a one for one. Like you're a four for four. I'm yeah, one for one Mets fan, but <laughs> it is hard not to talk football after the crazy weekend of NFL. Holy football. shit, guys. I mean, did, yeah. Did you guys watch that? Like whether you're that football was... fan or not. That was maybe the best two minutes of football I've ever seen in my entire life. Like the final, what was it? 25 points in the final two minutes. Was that the final statistic? You're talking Something about Bill's like, Chiefs? Talking about Bill's Chiefs, yes. yes so yes. I uh, I think you and I were talking about this a little bit before. I um, went to college with a bunch of Tampa fans. So I was with five huge Bucks fans during that Rams-Bucks loss. And oh. like uh, the, the Bucks loss, yeah, for the against the Rams. Yeah. And the roller coaster and like trying to navigate the, the right social protocol because I'm a Dolphins fan, so fuck Tom Brady, obviously. And also, uh, I have a playfully antagonistic relationship with the Bucks before he went there, just as like a kind of dig on my friends a little bit. So I was trying to find the right balance of still giving them a little shit, but also um, not trying to start a, a larger fight or a larger argument. I think I did a good job. I, I did a little, very little poking, very little prodding. But yeah, what an eventful weekend. Brandon, I'm impressed you. You knew this, not a football guy, but, but good well, call. Yeah, I think because I follow so many sports people, like obviously I follow SNY, so they'll tweet about the Jets, Bills, and Giants. Stuff. Yes, that makes sense. Uh, so I do, I, I do find a lot of NFL, even if I'm not looking for it, but I did watch all the highlights. I unfortunately missed the Bills game because I was playing softball last okay, night, we'll first game that. of the season. We'll get but, to that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and it's funny because I feel like I've seen a lot of takes that people are upset. That's like, well, baseball has this petty lockout. I mean, it's petty, but obviously there's, you know, some real uh, solid things that the players are fighting for now. While NFL is just like absolutely blossoming. You know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a little like upsetting. It's like the, baseball needs to grow the sport. And like it used to be to an NFL level. Like when yes. our grandparents are around, it was it was that sport. Yes. The thing everybody so, was talking about. But Dan, you caught you caught all the games. Yeah, so uh, Saturday, well, I, yes, the end of the, so Saturday, the first game was Bengals-Titans, Titans, yes. That game went down to the wire. It was a, every single game ended on the final play. I game know, insane. Saturday night, uh, you know, game, you have the special teams, the punt block, which ties the game for the 49ers, then they went on a game-winning field goal. And then, yeah, I watched, like, every second of the games yesterday, uh, Bucks rams The Bucks have this huge monumental comeback, and it looks like Tom Brady's going to get bailed out by all these turnovers Doing it again, again, and yeah. he's going to, and it seems tailor-made and then you know kudos to uh, Matt Stafford who many thought his career was just ruined because he was playing Detroit all those years coming up with a huge throw to Cooper Cup and they get him in field goal range and then the game last night was just incredible um there I mean there's a little bit of a Philly connection so like Jason Kelsey's brother Travis of course catches yes uh, the touchdown he was in attendance uh and Andy, Andy Reid yeah Andy Reid who was the Eagles coach I can't even wrap my head around like it's kind of hard to describe so I'm 24 I grew up on the Andy Reid Eagles. Yes. He was the Eagles coach from 99 to 2012. And it felt, I mean, for a large period of time there, he was the coach for basically my entire life and the longest tenured and many argue the greatest coach in franchise history. And I can't even wrap my head around that when all is said and done, when all is said and done, he's not even going to go down as the Eagles coach. Like he's no. having a more impressive career with the Chiefs, which is almost unprecedented. A, to coach this long in the NFL, but B, like at least Belichick, he did it with the same thing to do it with two different franchises might be on his uh, you know, well on his way to a second, maybe even more Super Bowls with him and Mahomes. I mean, as long as he wants to coach, they're going to be in contention. This is now four consecutive AFC championship games for them. Unbelievable. When I was first getting into sports, he did the exact same thing with the Eagles. Oh, uh, one through oh, four. The Eagles were in the NFC championship game every single year. They finally got over the hump, lost to the Patriots in Super Bowl 39. And then the Eagles, you know, finally won a few years ago, but it wasn't with Andy. And then he wins with the Chiefs. So it is a little bit different. Like, there's not like the monkey on their back here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. But he, but he's going to have more wins with the Chiefs, more years with the Chiefs. Mahomes is obviously better than any. I mean, Donald McNabb, which is the quarterback for the Eagles, my entire, but Mahomes is better than McNabb. And they're just going to be like on another level. So the fact that Andy Reid's second greatest team that he coached for 
that he's still the best coach for that team in franchise history. Kind of a little mind boggling, but that's where we are. And with the career of Andy Reid. So I'm actually happy for him. A lot of people have resentment for Andy Reid in this yeah. area. I think especially after the, I think it's stupid. I, the Eagles won the Super Bowl a few years ago. It's like, be happy for the guy, especially when he got yeah. his first, he finally got over the hump. Cause he was always the guy who would keep getting there yes. and then falling uh, short. Choking, and, yeah. and so now he has one. And I mean, th- this remaining field is like wide open for them to, Get another one. Get another one. Yeah, it felt like last night was game, the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, home game. Yeah, I mean, that really might be the most difficult team they go up against. Coming back from down three with 13 seconds to go, forcing overtime. We could get into the NFL overtime rules, whatever. But, you know, yeah. they. so they're going to have a conference championship game here and could just be headed to the Super Bowl, which will be out where uh, you are, Brandon, in L.A. I know, yeah. The Rams yeah. playing at home would be amazing. Two years in a row, right? Two years in a row, and, and, and that's that never happened in NFL history before last year. By the way, wow, that's insane. The team had never, team had never played a home Super Bowl. The Bucks won last year on their home field. Rams have a chance to do it here. Do people care about the Rams in LA? Because like I'm hearing all about that, like there might be more 49er fans. <laughs> yeah, at that's the rumor. Yeah, absolutely. No one cares about the Chargers. Hundred percent. Okay. Don't I've, I've seen which is like, awesome because they have one of the best young quarterbacks in the game right now. I know, yeah. but no one cares. I mean, you'll see. Uh, a bunch of Chargers shirts and a Target, but Rams <laughs> shirts. I, yeah. I remember but when the Eagles played out the, the week four of the Super Bowl year, the Eagles played when they were playing at StubHub Center before they got this StubHub Center. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it was an Eagles home game. It was insane. Like, yeah, because yeah. it was, I mean, the Chargers were even like just new to LA at this point. But yeah, I figure the Rams have like have to have some following now. Yeah, well, I went to yeah. one Rams game when I lived there. I went to a Rams Vikings Thursday night before game. they were at the nice stadium. Before they were at the nice stadium, yes. Yeah. When they're at the old, what is it, an Olympic Stadium? What was that previous? The Coliseum. Coliseum. Yes. Yeah. Eagles had two huge games in LA that year. Also, the game Carson Wentz went down was against the Rams back in Los Angeles. A lot of oh, Eagles fans that one too. That. The Eagles won that. That was like where the entire season turned. Yeah, uh, the Eagles Nick got Foles, a huge, yeah. huge win. Uh, so Nick Foles comes in, closes out that game, and then. You know, Goes the on the hero run. of Nick Foles in Philadelphia, you know, <laughs> history. But like, that's where it all started. Yeah, there were there was like a, a there's a weird generational divide from my once experience doing it where it's like people our age. There's not a lot of Rams diehard fans in the stadiums that are people our age, but like 55 plus people that lived in Los Angeles. Yes. Supported the Rams before they moved to St. Louis and then decided like came back as Rams fan, obviously, when they moved back to Los Angeles were in were in attendance and were screaming die like it was a sold out game. Um, so I do, I do from my small experience in Los Angeles, think that there are Rams fans, but my fate, one of my favorite sports parts about living in Los Angeles was just how much that city loves baseball and loves the Dodgers. Like it's, I mean, growing up in South Florida, obviously not a lot of big baseball fans growing up in South Florida, um, and other places that I bounced around to, I mean, I've been, uh, not in any big baseball, uh, or even towns that had a hometown, uh, baseball team there, but Dodgers merchandise everywhere. Dodgers fans at every corner, every any playoff game or big game, every bar is slammed with Dodgers fans. Like it was really, really cool being a part of that city during that. Uh, I really, I really think that started from Fernando Mania, Fernando Valenzuela. Oh no! Way, yeah. I really think because it, it got like the Latino community and Mexican communities like that makes a lot of sense. Sports, and I think that's really what started it. Yeah. Um, Dan, you were talking earlier. You mentioned that a lot of the Phillies uh, fans or excuse me, yeah. Philly fans have resentment towards Andy Reid. Do you think that Philly fans in general have a bad rap? Cause you always hear, and you're probably yeah. sick of it. The Christmas, you know, throwing at Santa, yeah. uh, all that I, stuff. Do you think I, you're, you're going to have to enlighten me on that story? I've never heard that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's read a whole article on it right now. Um, but are you, A, are you sick of that story? I'm sure the answer is yes. But B, do you think that the Philly fans uh, or do you think they have like a bad rap? All right. So here's what I'll say about Philadelphia sports. So you're you guys. So I know you're both in New York and L.A. right now. Uh, yeah. You know, Sam, you're up in New York now, originally from Florida. Brandon, yeah. you're yeah. a Mets fan, originally yeah. from New York. So, like, yeah. to be honest, I've been I've gone. I went to City Field this past year uh, for a Phillies Mets game. I've been to games. Uh, I went to a game at Fenway a few years ago, Phillies Red Sox. I don't. Here's what I find to be a little ridiculous, I guess I'll say. I don't find Philadelphia may be on its own level of like whether, you know, passion might be the nice way to put it. Insane might be a more realistic (laughs) way to put it, but it's not as if the aggressive Northeast, you know, in your face type of sports fan does not exist in New York or Boston or even, you know, Chicago, whatever. So I do not buy that when like, here's what I get annoyed with when yes, there's the Santa story of people throwing snowballs, even though that happened, that's happened in not at Santa, which is like, but there have been <laughs> snowballs thrown at other NFL games before, yes. right? Yeah. They, 
what I get sick of is when the national media, when there's like a game in Philly and there's some sort of fan incident and you hear someone on like ESPN or one of the major networks going like only in Philadelphia, as if a New York fan would never consider doing that. Yeah, or a Boston, Boston fan, fan would, or, yeah. would like, yeah. because, because when you wear opposing teams jerseys and run your mouth off in those cities, it just goes so well for people. <laughs> like, come on. Like, what, what are we pretending here? Like, I think there is something special about, I now work in sports radio, as I mentioned in Philadelphia and the sports radio ratings are like on another level and on its own like separate pedestal in those cities like Boston, New York, Philly. So I enjoy living in the Northeast. And, you know, when you hear like stuff about, you know, no one really cares about the chart. Like LA is a different kind of, I've only been there once in my life. So you can, you know, tell me I'm wrong here if I am. But the sense I get is like, yes, they love the Dodgers. They love the Lakers, but it's a very, I think it's funny how people always associate like grit and the Northeast sports fan together. I think it's more of just a, more aggressive, fast-paced lifestyle. Not that LA mm-hmm. isn't fast-paced, but it's just a people just love their teams, and people do not like it when other people show up. The we'll go back to the Eagles Super Bowl a year for a second. All the Vikings fans. I mean, there were stories in Minnesota that entire week of leading up to the NFC Championship when the Eagles won the playoffs about how mean Eagles fans were and how careful you're going to have to be, and like you know they're going to send you death threats and like such extreme stuff. And yes, there were some incidents in the stands. There's a really funny video that I don't know how famous it is outside of Philadelphia of this Vikings fan basically chastising an Eagles fan who I can't even imagine it had to be in like college or something like that. Yeah. And he's just like sarcastically yelling like go birds in her face. And she's <laughs> yeah. getting like really, really upset about it. And yes, like people in Minnesota and Green Bay and the Midwest, I think are just wired probably a little bit differently than people mm-hmm. on the East Coast or especially the Northeast. So I think it plays more into that. I find it kind of funny when the Santa thing comes up uh, they, before anytime, especially if it's there's any forecast of snow for a game in Philly, you can guarantee that that ESPN did a piece on it like 15 years ago, that that story is resurfacing. I'm just kind of used to it and numb to it at this point. It's like, well, this is the story. This is the city that threw snowballs at Santa. Like, come on. Like, that's the most recent example you have. It happened in 1968. Yeah, I also feel like every fan base has some sort of reputation that is belittling a little bit. Like as a Marlins fan, anytime there's any sort of opportunity for an attendance joke, somebody is going to make it. And anytime there's a chance to say, uh, oh, the Mets are going to blow it. That or joke Bo- is that- Bobby Bonilla for the Mets. Yes, <laughs> Bobby, exactly right. One. Yeah, which one. is also uh, it uh, backs up your example, because there's a million other teams that have deferred money. The Nationals whole fucking payroll is deferred, right? <laughs> it's a, yeah, <laughs> it, it's exactly right. So it's kind of just like, all right, maybe there is some truth to it. I do not defend, you know, I just want to make it perfectly clear in case it wasn't obvious. I do not defend violence in the stands or anything like yeah, that. Of course. But I find it kind of funny when fans are like, or not funny, but I find it kind of cool when fans are super into their teams, are super passionate and loud about it. And, you know, some is, has that translated to more incidents here than in other places? I don't know. I mean, maybe it has. There used to be the other story that everyone kind of, lies on is at the old stadium veteran stadium there was a jail jail, oh yeah so so everyone loves to bring that up but again that stadium hasn't been hosting eagles games in 20 years so i think it happens in other places i think now in the age of social media we see that these things happen in other places i don't know why this this idea that you know no one likes philadelphia nationally whatever that's fine i I don't need to have like the city doesn't need to be loved i think it kind of plays into the whole thing it's like the underdog uh, you know, Rocky thing that also gets played. That music gets played before every <laughs> national sporting event. In eating raw eggs and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eating raw eggs. And it's yeah. like, wow, they, this team embodies the city, and we're just all you know c- coming out swinging from like a South Philly basement, <laughs> and we're gonna run up the Rocky. Steps was that a Wonder Years reference? Ah, uh, yes, it was. Like, yes. Oh, yes, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Wow. I also, wouldn't. So here's the. I wouldn't have been able to tell you it was from Wonder Years, but everyone says it like yes. in Philly. So I just that's phenomenal. Okay, yeah. you are appealing to my pop punk heart right now. So. Uh, with, this, Without even intending to. So great job. Already <laughs> best guess. So, of the so, that, of so the that's kind of just where I'm at on Philadelphia sports fans. Is it a bad rap? Yes. Is it laced in some truth? Yes. But I, I have a hard time believing that this doesn't happen in New York, in Boston, in Chicago, or anywhere else for that yeah. matter. I think those are just the cities that I think when it comes to passion are on their own separate level. And sometimes that translates to just taking it too far. That makes sense. I uh, also the you were you said the thing about the jail in the stadium, which is something I totally forgot. Yeah. But there's like there's jails and malls like there there are just like holding <laughs> facilities everywhere. It's not yeah, like, like what, I, I don't know why like national like national broadcasters love to bring up that story, like the Santa yeah. thing and that. And it's like, oh, here we go again. Like Philadelphia fans acting up. You know how this goes. It's like, 
come on, like you could come up with a more like a more recent story or a not, not like a predetermined narrative about yeah, exactly. how the city yeah. acts. And so I don't know. It, and it led to at the Super Bowl parade, one of the also greatest things I've ever attended, where Jason Kelsey, like the spirit animal of the entire city, is leading a chant about how no one likes us. We don't care, which isn't entirely true, by the way. People seem to get really riled up about the fact that nationally Philadelphia isn't beloved. Interesting. Um, and it, there's kind of there's a thing of like it's two hours south of New York and it's between D.C. So it's like the forgotten little brother in between, even though it's this huge city and it's passionate and no one likes it or people don't think it's as nice or something like that. And also everyone hates the sports fans. So there's kind of like an edge to it of like no one else nationally can talk bad about Philadelphia. I don't know. It's it's a thing that's been going on forever. I don't think it'll actually ever go away. It's just part of the culture here. Yeah, that makes sense. I have to ask where uh, we brought you on to talk uh, Phillies. Yeah. We talk about everything else, but <laughs> yeah. but I'm okay with that too. Yeah. But, uh, so for the Philly, uh, for the Phillies right now, what's yeah. the feeling? Because the last few years, the Phillies obviously have high hopes, but it seems like either bullpen or defense just holding them back, and they always spit out like a yeah. 500 team or a little bit above. So what's the? And also you have to look at the rest of the division and like Marlins yeah. are improving, they're young. Mets are trying to sign everyone under the sun. Braves just came off a World Series title, so how are the Phillies fans feeling right now? And like, what do the Phillies need to, to elevate it a little bit just to like compete with the Braves or possibly the Mets? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to not have an apathetic viewpoint. Here's another uh, Philadelphia, like <laughs> Negadelphia, like stereotype, like, Oh, everyone's always down on the teams. No one believes in it. We boo our own players. And that's why Ben Simmons wants to leave the Sixers. Right. Like the, so I wouldn't say it's super high. I mean, we'll, by the time the season rolls around, people find some sort of optimism, about within the Phillies because they want to be excited about something but the way last year ended the way it ended the year before uh it's funny you say the well two things one I don't know if you did it on purpose I'm guessing not but you said that there's always high hopes it's the name of the Phillies song that they play when they win mm -hmm. uh that the legendary broadcaster Harry Callis sang yeah. but in terms of where the uh, you know the pulse of the city will be on this Phillies team and can they get out of that 500 middling area every time they would resort back to 500 this year I would tweet out the meme of Kramer saying you're even Steven and Seinfeld, which I thought was kind of funny because <laughs> they, they would like just resort back to, it seemed like they could get a few games up a few games back, but they had some magnet drawing them to 500. And that's just exactly what they were. You know, they have big name players. Like when they go elsewhere, Bryce Harper drives, draws a, a crowd, right? Like yeah. Bryce Harper is this name and he was the national league MVP this year. And he, deservedly so like he had a phenomenal, phenomenal year, especially in the second half JT real Muto, who, People in the NL East are quite familiar with because he was with the Marlins and there was some buzz that he'd go to the Mets last year. And then he ended up staying with the Phillies and they have Zach Wheeler, who was in Cy Young contention, who also used to who used to be with the Mets. So they have good players. The depth just was not there. The lineup was not deep enough, in my opinion, or consistent enough, in my opinion. The bullpen has not been good enough for a while here. Uh, so that's where I would say the issues mostly lie. I mean, we yeah. can get into what their biggest needs were or are this off season kind of being a lockout. I mean, it's not like the Phillies are at more of a disadvantage than say any other team, but obviously they haven't been able to address any of these needs since the start of December. So the feeling on the team is they're probably not that much better than they were when the season ended. I actually think a big underrated move. And one of my favorite guys to debate from the Phillies this past year, just his career was a guy like Hector Neris who went and signed with the Astros before the lockout happened. Uh, he was probably, I mean, Ranger Suarez kind of emerged as like the best pitcher on the team late in the season. He became a starter and he was great this year. But in terms of like a guy who was in a reliever role all year, Hector Neris is probably one of actually the more underrated guys because he was the closer for so long for the Phillies. And there's so many images of him blowing saves. His worst game ever was actually a game out in LA where he allows like three home runs in a row and they blow it late. Like he has certainly enough of those moments from being in the closers role. And he probably isn't a major league closer, but as a setup guy and a middle relief guy, he was probably more reliable than any other option that Joe Girardi had to go in his bullpen. I think they were going, they're going to miss him. They got Corey Knievel uh, just before the lockout started, yeah. but I can't sit here and tell you that, you know, the team won 82 games last year, which by the way, was their first quote unquote winning season in 10 years. I mean, we're sitting a wow. while here. Like, so, yeah. you know, I kind of grew up on Phillies baseball. That was really good. Oh, seven to 11. They won the national league East five years in a row. They won the world series in 08 and then steadily declined in their playoff finish from there. But they haven't been to the playoffs since, and they have the second longest playoff drought in baseball, only the Seattle Mariners. So, you know, it's been a while. It's hard for me to sit here and say that I have faith that they're any 
they're much better or worse than that at the moment, but we'll certainly see where what happens between now and hopefully when the season starts and what remaining happens this off season, because there's certainly moves that can still be made. Yeah, absolutely. What if you looked in your crystal ball, what do you yeah. think the Phillies are? It's a Chris Bryant, like, like, because they clearly need, uh, I mean, kind of an outfield aside from Bryce Harper, right? Yeah. I mean, a guy like Kyle Schwarber, I think makes sense. He's still Schwarber, out there. Totally. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know if they're going to go as look, Bryant has the Vegas connection, has the Scott Boris connection yep. with, uh, with Bryce Harper. So I, I would venture to say he probably does not come to the Phillies. Like if I envision this opening day lineup, you're looking at like real Muto catching your Hoskins back at first. Uh, you'd probably have Bryson Stott at shortstop Segura back at second Bohm at third, maybe a guy like Schwarber and left, um, you know, in right field, you're obviously going to have Bryce Harper. And then in terms center field could be a little bit, you know, up in the air. They went through a, a million center fielders last year, whether it was Dubal Herrera, they tried Mickey Moniak, Roman Quinn, they all got hurt. So, We'll kind of see Adam Hazley. Um, so we'll see what happens, you know, kind of throughout that entire. There have been rumors that they might go after someone uh, like a Kevin Kiermeyer or something like that for defense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever the case might be or whatever this opening day lineup is going to look like, I envision it'll be something like that. Um, I so don't you know. Think, exactly. So Stott's going to start. He's going to be the starting shortstop well, opening day, you think? Uh, well, so I'm saying uh, maybe not opening day because they if they keep him down in the minors, they can kind of abuse that service time yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, um, and they might not think he's ready right away anyway. And of course those, some of those big name shortstops are still on the board. Um, I do not want Didi Gregorius starting on this baseball team. They have him under contract okay. for another year, but you can't, you like I don't think you can really laugh at him. Defensive run save or something like, yeah, and, and, and really the guy terrible. can't hit, the guy can't hit either. So, yeah. you know, that's why I would say, so maybe not opening day, but the majority of the season, that's probably what your Phillies lineup is looking like this season. Uh, and then you, you know, maybe they add another starter or whatever the case is, but you're looking at a rotation that's going to in, involve Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, uh, Ranger Suarez, and then, you know, the back end of that, uh, Zach Eflin probably use a fifth starter, could probably use an upgrade, maybe a little bit in the middle of that rotation, Aaron Nola, kind of a disappointing season yeah. as well this past year. So that's probably what you're looking at, but they could certainly address the bullpen as well. I mean, it, it just feels like a 500 roster again, which which is sometimes the worst place you want to be. And you don't want to feel like you're uh, wasting Bryce Harper's prime here, especially after he yeah. spits out an MVP season. Yeah. So um, that's kind of where I'd say most of the city is at on the Phillies. It's probably where I'm at on the Phillies. Yeah. I'm sure I'll talk myself into a few more wins, a little bit more optimism <laughs> yeah. between now and that's what we opening all day or when, <laughs> in, in spring training. But as we sit here on January 24th, uh, that's where I'm at. So yeah. when, sorry, Brandon, no, Sam, you can go. No. So when, so I always look forward to the next season and talk myself into either a narrative or the development of a player or some exciting aspect of the season that even if things don't go according to plan, you can always tune in and watch what if that were to happen, let's say, God forbid, the Phillies come off to a losing streak and, and it's and it's maybe they start selling off. What would you be looking forward to the most in the Philly season? Who are you looking to see develop? Who are you looking to see if they're uh, continuing the performances that they had last year? Is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to on these Phillies? Yeah, so Alec Bohm was my favorite player heading into last season. He certainly declined at the plate. He's not a great defensive player. Here, here's another thing I also get, gave in that lineup. We don't know if there's going to be a DH, guys, like going forward, which yeah, I think is yeah. actually yeah. kind of ridiculous. And, you know, it's going to be hard. There might be like a blitz to the finish here. Of like, all right, let's go add another bat who can yeah. DH. And maybe Bohm will get some DH time if they do add that. because He's not a great defensive player. Uh, he's just a bad defensive player, not even not yeah. great. So yeah. he... He's a guy who I really like his nice level swing. Uh, he's certainly like an old school type of swing. He doesn't go for a ton of launch angle stuff. Uh, he had some trouble catching up the fastballs and stuff like that last year, which was concerning. I do eventually think that he will pan out. I really want him to pan out because he's kind of like a pure hitter. And you really, there was a period of time during 2020 where it felt like he was just super, super clutch guys on base. Yeah. He's the guy you want to put the plate to get a hit or try and go gap to gap, stuff like that. So I'm looking for a guy. Uh, like Alec Bohm, how he bounces back this year. On the pitching side, the guy I mentioned uh, in Aaron Nola, is he just this career three starter? I mean, we were yeah. throwing the term ace around about him at this time last year, and I thought he was better than Zach Wheeler, and I think a lot of people did too. And Zach Wheeler clearly turned out to be this, the ace of the staff. He was unable to consistently pin good starts together. Uh, he would sometimes blow up in innings, lose command of his pitches. So Aaron Nola on the pitching side is certainly that I'll be looking – someone who they need to step back into that bigger role and someone that I'll certainly have. And I imagine the entire city will have their eyes peeled on. 
Yeah, yeah, and 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 the Ranger Suarez story was an insane story from last year. I think what was the statistic? It was like the only pitcher to have like a certain amount of wins and saves. Or what was? Do you is that ringing any bells? What was the? Yeah, what was it? So his ERA was in like Maybe the ones. Yes. So his yeah. ERA was in the one. I mean, he had a unique season because he had pitched in like every possible role from middle relief to closer to starter. Yeah. And so, that rarely like works out well. <laughs> I think that was the most yeah, exactly. It does. Yeah. No, like I like I was actually like hesitant on the idea of like they're going to push him into a starter. They're going to ruin him. Like they're going to try and keep and they were like stretching him out. It's like first it's a 60 pitch start to a 75 pitch start to yeah. a 90. Like they're adding him 15. Up. Yeah. And they built him up and he responded brilliantly to the point where I said if they got in the playoffs late like in the year, like, cause they were still in contention with like a week to go. I was like, he's your game two starter, like yeah. in, in a playoff series. Like he literally would have been your game two starter. So um, Kyle Gibson, it was another guy who they kind of added. And I yeah. forgot to mention yes. when talking about this rotation. Mm-hmm. So speaking of I, Rangers, speaking, speaking <laughs> yeah. of Rangers, exactly right. Yeah. The te- a former <laughs> Texas Ranger. Um, so Ranger Suarez certainly, pit, you know, pitched into that really, really solid role. Um, more than solid was like, brilliant in his starts i was at his last home start of the year against the pirates which you know it doesn't take a whole lot to shut down the pirates offense but he was like he allowed just a few hits in the game uh and gave them you know the innings they needed especially late in the season your bullpen is taxed and uh, the longer you can get starters on this team to go certainly the better you had a you had marlins legend brandon kinsler on your team last season didn't you yes Yes, yeah. he did. I actually but, had higher hopes for him, too, than he ended up uh, panning out as well, because uh, yeah. he led the Marlins in 2020 in saves. I believe. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah, he was, uh, I mean, it was a shortened season, but he was the closer. Yeah, he was. He was. He was supposed to be. Was he? He advertises himself as like a ground ball uh, relief pitcher, somebody that doesn't give up yeah. a lot of bombs. Was he part of the the Phillies bullpen letdowns for you last season? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone kind of contributed to the bullpen letdowns at some yeah. point. Um, so, yes, he certainly like I don't have a perfect vision of him like blowing a game, but there were certainly times where he he was disappointing. And I remember him being disappointing. So, yes, yes, yes. yes. He, he played into it. Yes. <laughs> I thought I'd call on the uh, the the Marlins legend himself, of course. Come on. Gotta, gotta give Kinsler. Yeah, it, it's, so, you know, <laughs> not, you know, some say the most notable former Marlin on, <laughs> yes, on, think, on oh, the yes. Phillies, right? You know. <laughs> Yeah, people show up former marlins fans show up to see brandon kinsler and they get pleasantly <laughs> surprised at jt real muto yeah, yeah exactly exactly. Right. exactly um do you get to go to a lot of phillies games you get you it sounds like you're able to go check out a lot of games that's something that you're doing pretty regularly yeah so i'm fortunate enough to still be living in the philly area uh, back, back to the la connection so i'm back at home living i went to school at lower marion high school which is i'm sure something you'll you know, both recognize, well, I don't know if you're basketball fans, but the alma mater of Kobe Bryant, yeah, uh, which is only, yeah, yeah, 20 minutes outside the city. So I was living here. And even when I was at Temple, uh, 15, 20 minute subway ride uh, down to the ballpark, I got fortunate uh, in, you know, yeah, I'd go to a number of games, whether friends who have tickets or we would just buy tickets or sometimes the Phillies offer these really cool deals like the April and May pass where they offer like the entire month for, you know, 70 bucks or whatever the case is. Oh, damn, um, that's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, so sometime, yeah, I got to go to, a, I don't know how many games I ended up going to. I went to go see him in New York this year, uh, but it's pretty convenient. And yeah, so I was fortunate enough to be able to go uh, to a number of games this past season. Obviously, as they were letting fans back in the yeah. ballpark, that was yeah. like a big deal as well, because uh, in 2020, you couldn't do it at all. So plan to do that again in 2022, regardless of how the team is playing. I- I'm the one. I'm the baseball nerd sitting there, you know, like, like <laughs> late in the season when there are 20 games out of first sitting there with a scorebook, like breaking down bullpen decisions. So you don't have to like, it's not like a tough Love sell it. for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit old school uh, in that sense, but yeah, I, I just enjoy being in a baseball stadium. Um, it was the sport I played through high school uh, and growing up by far the most. The other day I was like tallying up how many baseball teams in my life between tournaments and travel and little league I played on. It was probably upwards of 30. Wow. Uh, like, oh uh, man. yeah. Yeah, wow. it, it was a lot. So you the amount of your ba- time, yeah, yeah the, the amount of baseball. And frankly, there's a lot of bad baseball in there too. you know, getting mercy <laughs> rule. And stuff like that. I mean, I, play, I played on some good teams. It wasn't like an all bad career, uh, but the, between high school, starting from like T-ball, the amount of baseball that I had just seen over and over and over again. Uh, it's why, you know, when we talk about like growing the game and where the game of baseball is headed, I'm not like I have a lot of opinions on it, but I'm also not necessarily the target audience because no matter what baseball looks like, I'm going to yeah. be there watching yeah. them every night breaking down decisions and you're really trying to market to i understand to the majority of the public who has not sat through you know hot summer days where you're down eight runs and you're trying to you know just get back in a game or something like that at a little league or a travel baseball yeah, exactly. or, or a high school level because you know when you, when you go through that and i also actually got to uh got the opportunity 
through a friend who knows someone who runs like a travel baseball uh, organization in this area, me and a couple of other friends for a senior project in high school, which is like the last thing you do before you graduate. And yeah. we kind of did it again this year. Uh, we coached a travel baseball team. Which no was really, way. Really fun. Yeah. So that, that was a lot That's of fun. Awesome. I, I That's umpired great. in high school. So like anything, any job you can imagine. I, I brought <laughs> in college. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, I, the, Dan, did you get, yeah. when you umpired in high school, did you get like 16 year olds yelling at you and getting in your face? So I didn't umpire high school games. I umpired. Oh, little gotcha. Games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I understand. Yeah, so yeah, did yeah, you get yeah. little, um, did you get five-year-olds doing, <laughs> yelling at you? <laughs> no, I, no, I know. I got the five-year-old's parents yelling at me, the which parents. is even better. Yes. Dan, yes. I, that my first job ever was umpiring too. And I was doing like young, like nine, I was in middle school. I was like, doing yeah. nine, 10 leagues. And I would have parents screaming at me to the point where I was like, I'm a, the least confident 14 year old you will ever meet in your entire life. I don't know how to ask you to leave or stop screaming at me. In <laughs> no, a I, way. I, I'm a big believer that umpiring builds character. You want to, you want to, uh, I think Chris rock has a whole bit about you guys being comedy fans about how bullying like is good for kids and, <laughs> yeah, and it makes their strength. Like you want to, you want to toughen up your kid, go, go throw them out at a little league game uh, in, a, in a suburban neighborhood and make them umpire by themselves for two hours. They will come back tough as nails. Yeah. They'll be uh, hard. Yeah. To, yeah. I, yeah they, they will come back uh, hearing everything. No, I, to be honest, it was never too brutal for me. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is just kind of like your confidence. You go into it. Certainly you're going to have people who get worked up. I never took it personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I did it for a while. I did some little league up to some travel. But yeah, I never did high school or anything like that. That's where stuff really starts getting nuts. Yeah. Um, I've also because of that, I went through like the umpiring training and meetings. So uh, like so many times in a row, I've become like the baseball rule savant amongst oh, my friends. Nice. Like, All right. Like, so any like so like the play that happens like once a year where like a guy drops the ball on the mound, I'm like the one guy in the stadium being like, that's a block or, you know, like, or, <laughs> no, yeah. or, or like, you know, like some weird, like tag up or replay rule. Like that's just like how my brain's wired. And, uh, or like when a guy swings and it hits by a pit, gets hit by a pitch, I'm like, no, that's still a swing. That's, you know, that's so a, that's a strike. Yeah. That's a strike. So it's like little random stuff like that, that I just really enjoy the strategic aspect of baseball, like the chess match stuff. I get, it's not, you know, always what sells on TV or what, you know, what's perfect for like a larger audience. And I think there's yeah. a balance there, but, yeah, I, I have seen whether it's at the major league level, certainly Phillies. I've been to, I mean, all four stadiums, well, not all three stadiums, but all four teams. Yeah. Uh, the, the link where the Eagles play, Citizens Bank Park where the Phillies play, and the mm-hmm. Wells Fargo Center, Sixers and Flyers. Um, I split season, six or season tickets with a group of friends from college. So I've been to a oh, number awesome. of basketball games. I used to go to more uh, e- Eagles, probably the least, A, because there's the least amount of games, yeah. but I now work yeah. on. It's a 94 WIP is the Eagles radio affiliate here in Philly. Oh, so you're working. I now work. So I, I now yeah. work on that broadcast team and cut all the highlights. Uh, and football is pretty good on, it's like a TV event anyway. So like, yeah. I, I'm not like too bummed about that. Um, and I've been to some flyers games, but baseball, A, there's the most amount of games, but was always the sport that my parents took me to the most growing up. It was the sport Same, I was yeah. always most into. I'm watching them every night during the summer. So yeah, I, I've seen quite a bit of baseball and, you know, <laughs> it's pretty rare. I mean, the, the game of baseball, there have been people who have been doing it way or watching way longer than I have or been involved in it way longer than I have. Every now and again, this game surprises you and you're like, I've never seen that, but it yeah. is pretty infrequent at this point. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dan, I assume you grew up watching the the Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins. Yes, Philly. of course. Yeah. yeah. As I'm so I don't right know if you here. caught. Yeah. Sorry, what you say? No, I was going to say I have their like retirement things. Uh, oh, oh nice. Right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins. I have a feeling I know where you're going with this, but just quick. Yeah. Quick story on them. They were like the middle infield of my entire childhood. Uh, you know, absolutely great players. My favorite player on those Phillies was Ryan Howard, the first baseman, but Utley and Rollins close second and three. And even as I got older, like Utley became the guy. And I'm sure, you know, hated in New York. So you're going to hate me for saying this, but like he, <laughs> uh, he, he was a, besides just being like a Met killer, like he was the, as I got, he was always like the most analytically minded. Like he, I, I met him once at a, they have like, Phillies baseball camps in this area. You know, he's good to like meet a player at the yeah, end of the week, yeah, which is yeah. kind of cool. And I remember someone asked him like what his daily preparation is. And he was there at like, I mean, it was like Kobe level kind of stuff. Like he'd get there at noon for a 705 game God. and watch tons of film on the other team's pitcher. And he always hustled his ass off. And he didn't have a, a whole lot to say, but I mean, he just meant business. And he he lives actually out in LA now and has a role with the Dodgers. I mean, he finished career with the Dodgers and you know, kind of had a role with them, but I think he's even stepped more away from that. Cause now it seems like he has dialed it back a little bit as he's gotten kids and he's out of the game, yeah, similar to what we saw yeah. uh, with a guy like Kobe and what happens to a lot of these guys. But I mean, he was like every bit is, it's my personal belief that 
I mean, it's a baseball player and he's not on the global scale like Kobe Bryant, but he was every bit of as serious and psychotic as Kobe was and like just finding little advantages for himself. And sometimes it results in him just thinking nothing is more important than being safe at second base and taking out the hottest I mean, leg. I mean, sometimes the, the, yeah. you break. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so like, but, but that like, so as I got older and loved those kinds of players and became more infatuated with like players processes and like, okay, he can see the game of baseball in such a different way than even other major league baseball players. Like he's so, what made him so good is that he's like predicting what pitch is going to come because it's like card counting for him. And he's watched this pitcher go through the sequence a thousand times over because he's watched like a shit ton of film on him. Like that's really fucking cool, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. agree, yeah. Um, uh, so my question is, I don't know if you saw Jason Stark did an article on if, is Jimmy Rollins a, uh, a Hall of Famer. Do you think yep. Jimmy Rollins or Chase Utley have the credentials to be Hall of Famers. Yeah, so it's interesting. I think they both have different cases. My gut on both of them, unfortunately, says no. I mean, I think they the Phillies had a longstanding rule that they recently broke about not retiring the numbers of players who don't make the Hall of Fame. They recently just broke that rule and retired Dick Allen's number. Actually, yeah. fortunately, he was alive to see it. And that was partially, I think, to make the case that he should get in, and he just got passed up on the vote yet again. Um, but every other number that the Phillies have ever retired is a Hall of Famer. And for a few reasons, one, the Phillies don't exactly have the greatest history. They actually have the losingest history of any team in the history of the sport. <laughs> so, like, you know, if you were like the Yankees, I can understand having a rule like that. But I think there are a few other numbers that should be retired. And, ha- you know, Howard, Utley, Rollins need to be like, and Hamels, Cole Hamels need to be the first that all break that rule, whether they get in or not. I don't think... Jimmy Rollins is more of the longevity aspect of it. Like he was the consistently one of the best shortstops of an entire generation. Um, uh, you know, kind of that NL guy going, I mean, Jeter was obviously the guy in New York and obviously starting those all-star games, uh, you know, for the AL, but like Rollins was oftentimes the best shortstop in the national league. And he has that longevity aspect to him. Uh, the all-time Phillies hits leader. So Look, I don't ultimately I, he probably falls a little bit short in the eyes of the voters. Still one of my all time favorites. And, you know, it's cool to see that Chase Utley gave him a vote of confidence was like, yes, I think he should get in. Chase Utley on the other side of that is not the longevity argument like his prime like is he's like a peak guy. So I know that, you know, traditionally Hall of Fame voting is like, OK, 3000 hits, 500 home runs. Yeah, check the boxes, 300, like check yeah. the boxes, like how long your career was. Uh, I think there's pros and cons to that, you know, as we move into a newer age maybe it happens i don't think either of them are getting in on the first ballot maybe down the line is you know some younger minded voters uh you know get their hands on some ballots here but my gut says probably they both fall a little bit short but i think their numbers absolutely need to be retired by the phillies because in term in the context of the phillies they're hall of famers and if they're not in Cooperstown, they're like the level just below it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. second tier. Um, Dan, yeah. you've been so generous with your time. Thank you. So we yeah. kept you. We kept you like ten to fifteen minutes longer. Yeah, than thank we you so much. No, so thank you so fine. much. Before you get out of here, there's yeah. a, a, a there's one question I want to ask. You're a, an avid uh, live sports fan. You said so. What is your ideal meal at the ballpark? What are, what are you? What's the best case scenario? You're ordering food. You're ordering drinks. You're hanging out for the whole nine innings. What are what's your, what are your go tos? Maybe Philly specific too. I don't know. But what's uh what's your go to? Yeah, so I was gonna, I was gonna say, I hope this isn't the last question because we didn't get into any of the Seinfeld and Kirk. Oh my stuff, god! But I yes. will, I, I, I will, I will <laughs> answer this question. That. Yes, um, it depends on my mood. So like Philly related, I do like a good cheesesteak. Uh, that always hits the spot. Um, I, I a little bit of traditionalist. Like I love Dollar Dog Night down at the ballpark. Yes. Uh, yes. You get like a bunch of those. So I'd say a hot dog or a cheesesteak. Sometimes I go basic chicken fingers. Hey, listen, um, stuff it ain't like broke, that. Don't fix it. <laughs> If, if, it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's exactly right. Uh, also, nothing hits the spot like one of those ice cream helmets. Oh, uh, like, a, yes. like a hot summer night. I had one of those this year. Yeah. By the way, I, I have a theory. I, I don't know if this is actually true. Maybe I just grew up in the bubble of Philadelphia, but the Phillies have been doing those ice cream helmets like forever now. Yeah. And now I see them in like every ballpark in baseball. I don't know if that's been oh, going on for Philly original. Maybe I, I don't know about Philly original, but I feel like Philly had to be on the earlier part of the curve on that one. Because it feels like everyone yeah. does it. And I yeah, have one now, like yeah. really, really early childhood. Yeah, that's awesome. So Philly you missed the patent, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. They could be making money. So you did bring up one thing, and I do have a piece of memorabilia that belongs to Brandon that I've not yet said of here. But one of the, <laughs> yeah, one of the, one of the, one of the thing nights I went to a Seinfeld themed awesome. night. Isn't that great? 
Check that yeah, out. Don't don't love that it's on a Mets jersey. Yeah, the Seinfeld thing all out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but so, Seinfeld on a Phillies jer- jersey wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> though, so. No, Sorry. it wouldn't. It, it's still a cool jersey to have. I, yeah. I, I, I approve. <laughs> so I did want to pick your brain. We we talked about yeah. this a little bit before we recorded. So you watched season eleven of Curb, I imagine, right? I did. Yes, I've yes. seen every episode of Seinfeld and Curb, in the case of Seinfeld, like ten times over. Yeah. Yes, of course. Were you yeah. okay? This is a little bit of a sidetrack, but were did you was your introduction to Seinfeld like? turn on the TV before dinner served like the, the syndication five o'clock local TV channel or were you or your parents watching? Like what, what was your relationship? with? Yeah. Family? I mean, it, it wasn't as like traditional as the like, Hey, before dinner comes up, like, but yeah, they would just re-air it on Fox. I think used to re-air it all the time and TBS re-aired a ton yeah, of it. WB so was a big sell for one. I actually have a Seinfeld take, which is that. So a lot of my friends now who hadn't seen it. Yeah. I watched with my parents to answer your question, watched with my parents all the time growing yeah. up in syndication so much that I saw like all but a few episodes and I figured out which ones I hadn't seen and went back and watched them down. So I've yeah. seen and, and, and hunted them down. Uh, and the last one I needed to see was the Puerto Rican Day Parade because it was the lost ap- episode for like the longest <laughs> yeah. time. And then when it came out on Hulu and Netflix, I was like, all right, this completes the bingo this board. This is it. Right? I've done it. Yeah. yeah that, now I've done the whole thing. I actually have a take that. So I have friends who now, you know, it's on Netflix. It was on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. That they're watching it and. The way, I, okay, I was not alive in 1989. I was born in 97. So like the tail end of Seinfeld, it went off the air when I was six months old, right? And I liked it growing up and then I still like it today and think it's the greatest show of all time. And Curb's like a very close second. I could accept either yeah. argument for either, right? In the case of, if Seinfeld were on the air today, besides the fact that there's aspects of the comedy that wouldn't play, you'd have to change a lot of it and stuff like that. I actually don't think the progression of it would play as well into like a streaming show now. Cause like a lot of my friends will watch it and they'll watch it on Netflix and they'll be like, yeah, the, the first few seasons, if you remember, are a little bit slow. The first one, especially yeah. is notoriously a bad season of television. The airport like, like, is it, the first one. Yeah. Like they didn't, <laughs> it didn't really take, like even when they had Keith Hernandez on in like season three, it wasn't like a big time show at that point. And then yeah. they all talk. I've watched, you know, all like the DVD extras and stuff like that about how you know they're sitting there at a round table and like yeah it was season four that it really took off we became like a water cooler show interesting and kind of got spearheaded by the contest yeah but that was midway through if that show were like being debuted today first of all it doesn't seem like shows get that long of leeway anymore. anyways yeah but especially on netflix like the way people watch tv today it'd be like yeah i watched the first season of netflix it wasn't good i'm tuning out yeah and yeah. it wouldn't get the same kind of buzz and the only reason that it did is because the later seasons picked up the slack for the earlier seasons. I appreciate as just a fan of the show, kind like just the uniqueness of how that show came on the air and hearing all the stories about how Larry David would basically tell the NBC executives to go fuck themselves. Like, this is the show. We're not going to change it. And then they depict that in the show itself, right? Yes, the show. So I appreciate it. But if that show, like if they were rolling out a show like that today and the first few seasons were so like that, not only would like it not get picked up, but people just, it wouldn't get picked up because people aren't, watching past the first few episodes on netflix like and that's the other things i didn't watch this show from beginning to end in order yeah people now watch Mm -hmm. it like i just like jump in i saw late and they replay the hits over and over again so you saw that first you get drawn in so i think the lead of the show wouldn't like i don't think it plays on netflix that well yeah it's and it's it it is interesting because like the uh brandon has worked at television i I, not as much myself but like uh if you don't have if you don't catch the audience immediately now and like Forget a second or third season. Like if your first season and it would have been six episodes, it would have been or like twenty two or whatever those those seasons were at. Like if you don't have that hook right away, then yeah, you're 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 not oh, yeah. running back for a second. I, I think it's a bad hook. And so like I have friends now are like, this is your favorite show of all time. Like I watched the first two. Se- I'm like, just I don't know. Like skip. I like I don't know, I don't want to tell you to like skip later. Jump in I think the middle, you're gonna want to yeah. see those episodes. But like it really picks up in season four. And I think if you have a similar mind to me, you'll go back and appreciate it. Yeah. But I can understand why you think it's like. This isn't like this is just like an average show at best, not the best show of all time. If your sample sizes, I watched season one and two yeah, exactly. on Netflix. Sure. Like, so I, I think it actually doesn't play that well into it. So I, I think that's kind of interesting. And I do wonder and now, you know, it'll be it's been on Netflix for a few months here, like over time, how it will play to a younger generation yeah, of sure. Seinfeld fans or whether it'll kind of die out because it's it was a like traditional type of TV show. And obviously, Very finale was like one of the highest, highest rated episodes of tv ever but in netflix i don't know if it plays the same way yeah see i i think that that seinfeld holds up well because we still have and better than a show like friends and friends if you guys remember had yeah. a lot of uh, got a lot of flack recently when it came out for you know not being uh, progressive or inclusive um to a yeah. lot of communities but seinfeld holds up pretty well and i think it's because 
it a lot of it focuses on weird social cues, which still yes. exists today, despite the existence of cell phones. Like there's <laughs> which still is why social I love cues, it. Yeah. Yeah. Why you love it. And that's why Curb also stands the test of time too. But you make a good point that I don't know if it's gonna last because people like the more Ted Lasso uplifting shows now. Well, not even just the the uplifting. It's just like it's it's just a slow start. Yeah, like yeah you, you, you have you have to like commit to more, and people just don't have the attention span to like stick with. It. I mean, it's not like the yep. old man of like these kids these days don't have this attention span. <laughs> but it's like how people watch it, right? Yeah, Me too. Yeah. If, I, if I was starting a show and I didn't know what it was about, and I saw a slow starting show, I'd be like, yeah, I'm moving off of this. Like I'm, I'm not going to commit yeah. to nine seasons. Yeah, yeah, and so there's a direct comparison too to a, a show that's more of our contemporary, which is uh, based in your city itself. Is the the Seinfeld is a big influencing factor on on the kind Always of characters sunny. that were created for It's Always Sunny. I was wondering if you had a relationship with that show at all too before we uh, before we let you get out of here. Yeah, I'm actually I actually never like I'm I've never gotten super into Always Sunny for yeah. for whatever reason, which is interesting because you're right, it's based in Philly. Um, yeah. and I, all my friends super into it. I, I don't know exactly what it is. Um. But I, yeah, it's been an influence comedically on a number of things. That's why I like Curb, kind of what you were talking about, like that yeah. social cues thing. Similar um, vibes. Similar vibes. And I do love, because it it articulates it in such, it's so different from every other type of show out there. And I just love, I, I'm just the way my brain works. I love picking apart like social dynamics. My friend and I was also a big Curb fan. I don't know if you ever had this happen to you, but so a group of us went to, uh, you know, we all met up at like a Phillies game this year. And you know how like when you're meeting with a group of friends, there's always like the core group of friends. And then there's like the fringe friends who are like yes. kind of for only yeah. friends with certain people. <laughs> yeah, a friend of a friend. So we, we screwed up the seating order where like the fringe friends are sitting next to people who they're not really friends with. Yeah. And me oh, and no. this guy at the end are like sitting here, like saying, like, if Larry David were here, he would rearrange <laughs> yeah. how these people are the, seated. But the like middle. But, yeah. But no one has the balls to say that in real life because you yeah. sound like, you know, yeah. you sound like a dick. Like, hey, like you're not really close with that person. I deserve to be sitting in your seat. You're, not, like, good at, you're not good at middling. Yeah, you're middling. No, yes, so I, I so, I, no. So here's the thing. I actually. Yeah. Yeah. You're not a good middle. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yes. The, in my particular case, I knew all these people. So I was quite arrogantly saying that I should be the middle. You're the middle uh, in, yeah. this <laughs> in, in this particular case. I think radio hosting and podcasting and people who do stand up comedy, by the way, natural middlers, because you have to be able to talk. It sort requires of a situation. Level of conversationalism. Yeah. Yeah. And you just have to be able to do it. But so I, I think it's so funny to like and, I'm, and me and my friend are sitting here at the end. I'm like, here's an analysis like similar. to I'm a big fan of comedians and cars and coffee. Yeah. Uh, get into uh, or comedians and cars getting coffee. Yeah. So the one where Jerry and Larry go to the coffee shop and I think it's a line from that that I stole. I'm like, all right, here's an analysis by two idiots that no one else is doing of like how it should have been, <laughs> how this should have been lined up. And then, or like, and then it's little stuff also. Like, we'll be going into a, a restaurant or wherever and be like, you know, what was the, like, should you have held the door open for that person? Were they within the, <laughs> yes. were they within the realm? And so it's like, now that I look at the world that way and kind of always did. And now he, I mean, Larry David just takes it to another level yes, uh, yeah. of that kind of stuff. It's all I see now. And if you keep your eyes peeled to it, it's all I ever think about. Just like the unspoken oddities of life and stuff that no one really like everyone thinks, but no one really has the balls to say because it's weird and uncomfortable and awkward. <laughs> I, I just think is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dan, yeah. I, I'm glad we were able to get the Seinfeld. Absolutely. This was yeah, phenomenal. Sure. Um, before we let you go, yeah. make sure to plug, let everybody know where they can hear you, all the yeah. fun stuff, read you, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Dan underscore Wilson four. As uh, you know, you mentioned your very nice intro. I am a producer for Sports Radio ninety four WIP in Philadelphia, where you know, on throughout the week, sometimes I cut audio there, but it's kind of all over the place. If you follow on Twitter, sometimes I plug uh, when I'm going to be on because it's pretty cool that they let producers chime in on the air. Yeah, and that's help, awesome. Uh, you know, kind of like program the shows and stuff like that. Uh, formerly of Locked on Phillies. Um, yeah, that's what I kind of got go going on uh, as of right now. As we get more into baseball season, I'm sure I'll be, you know, having more uh, corny Phillies tweets or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> more. There will be more baseball talk. It's still a lot of Eagles and football around here. Sense, now we're yeah. transitioning to like NBA trade deadline and, you know, Ben Simmons, who's holding the Sixers. One of the Kings. Like Where's that. he going? Yeah, <laughs> it, we're, yeah, just people just want him out of here. And, you know, what are they going to hold him through the deadline? Atlanta? Or, Wasn't Atlanta one of the ones that was getting thrown around? Atlanta's in the mix. Sacramento's in the mix. Yeah. Every team at some point. What, are they going to hold out for James Harden this offseason? Oh, yeah. Maybe at the death, stuff like that. So, Who knows? you know, whatever, whatever the case might be. So a lot if if you're into uh, Philly sports talk or you just, you know, need to 
be more up on Philadelphia sports, whatever the case might be. Which we encourage uh, our entire audience to do, please. Of course. <laughs> yes, because, you know, it's it's a sport. If, if you want the real if you want the real version of what uh, Philadelphia <laughs> sports is, not the national narrative where it's like, oh, they're all mean. And yeah, you know, not abusing yell, Santa yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't abuse Santa or anything like that. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I like to think I'm a, a solid follow and you can hear me uh, there and, uh, you know, wherever else uh You'll hear me on this podcast. Obviously, your listener. So, uh, yeah, of course. Fun, guys. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much, Dan. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. We'd love to have you on again. We'll uh, we'll, we'll remain in contact. For sure. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Take care. Cool. All right, Brandon. Well, we're getting towards the end of the episode. I think there's one more thing you have to say, Brandon, before we uh, get out of here. Did you know that this podcast you listened to today (laughs) is a sports drink podcast? That's right. It was brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports, which is our vibe. They're here to help us grow <laughs> and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org, not com, not edu, org, or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. That's Sports Drink without the vowels. All he asks is that you close the door behind you. We're trying to let the f- not let the funk out, baby. Huh? <laughs> Don't let that funk out, Brandon. Dan was a phenomenal guest. So glad we could have him on. Well, glad we got some Philly Amazing. representation in here. Yeah, he was great. We got uh, Philadelphia representation here. We, we got, got all the Philly sports. We got Philly. We got D.C. We got Atlanta. Brandon, we're going to be the most beloved uh, podcast host on the entire East Coast. We've done our jobs well. Hell yeah. We didn't get any flyers and damn it. No flyers, man. <laughs> no flyers. We did get the Seinfeld and Kermit, which I'm glad he reminded me because I was just like in, yeah. in dumbed down host brain trying to be like, all right, we've kept them on for longer than we told him we would he we get out of here, but he was great. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, was awesome. Shout out to Dan. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, all that fun stuff. We'll have the link in the description of the show. Brandon, um, I feel like we've hit our hour. We hit our hour. I, I think we've hit it. Okay. All right. Well, Brandon, why don't you plug your stuff? I'll plug myself. We can get out of here too. You can follow me at Brando Grosso on Twitter and Instagram if you want. I don't really post anything there, but at Brando <laughs> Grosso on Twitter. What about you? Um, follow me at NL Feast Sam on Twitter. Check out my band's album. We got a single coming out at the end of February, early March. Ugly Twin on Spotify, Apple Music, all that fun stuff. Make sure to follow the pod at NL Feast on Twitter. Email us. We're taking emails. I haven't checked that in a few weeks, I'm realizing, but email us at nlfeastpod at gmail.com. Um, and I think that's it, Brandon. Anything else before we get out of here? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And